Welcome to the third episode of my Essential Skills for Training podcast series. My guest today is known as the Disco Ninja. She just finished filming her fourth season of Ninja Warrior Australia when we connected to record this podcast. You'll often see her balancing on her hands or doing backflips. She is a coach at False Grip in Sydney, Australia, and a coach at Ninja Kids. This is her second time on the podcast, and my guest is Betsy Burnett. She is a gem of a human who has so much to say around training, her training practice. We talk about her why. Uh, We dive into her essential skills for her training practice, how she trained for Ninja Warrior, what her training looks like now that Ninja Warrior is finished. We talk food, confidence, recovery, learning to train with her cycle, and so much more. I love talking with Betsy uh, and enjoy, enjoy this episode. This is number three in my Essential Skills for Training podcast series. This is the Off-Kilter podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Burke. known as the Disco Ninja. She just completed her fourth season on Ninja Warrior Australia. You'll often see her balancing on her hands or doing backflips. She is a coach (laughs) at False Grip and Ninja Kids in Sydney, Australia. She is a warrior woman and this is her second time on the podcast. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. That was lovely. (laughs) I'm super (laughs) excited. I'm so excited for you to be a part of this Essential Skills for Training series. Uh, So thank you for creating the space to be on the podcast again. Thank you for having me on. I actually feel really blessed to be asked to come on again and for any conversation that I have with you. So thank you. Oh, I can't wait. So the intention behind the series was to bring together warrior women. So women who are advanced in their practice, who train a lot or, you know, are athletes or um, uh, coaches and really talk about how they train. I love this concept of the how. So the processes, the methods, uh, the recovery protocols, all the things that goes into what I would call a training practice. And so today I want to talk to you about your training practice. Awesome. Looking forward to it. It's yeah. almost like a train, a training umbrella. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, we can start there. I really like that. So, and what I really like about the umbrella is that you can use it across even the training or the movement space. And so often when I'm talking about training with people, 
I'll try and use the umbrella as, uh, as an analogy as well, because I think that we move, we're movers, which is like the umbrella. And then we have all these different prongs in the umbrella and that's all different ways that we can move or train. And for some time we can specialize so we can spend a lot of time on one prong in particular. Uh, and then we may go to another prong. And so do you want to talk about your movement umbrella right now and what that looks like? At the moment, uh, my movement umbrella, it changes depending on where I'm at in the year, what my focus is, what my goals are, all of that kind of thing. So um, my training never looks the same throughout the year, which is actually a pretty awesome thing because it keeps variety and then it also keeps me um, changing and everything's fresh. So it's really cool. Um, at the moment, I am just on a bit of uh, a crossroads actually in my training umbrella. So um, I just have been doing uh, some tumbling, some strength and conditioning, um, a little bit of low impact cardio, as well as um, handstands. So uh, that's where I have previously been at, and I'm just in this crossroads at the minute of trying to find the next version of what my umbrella is going to look like. So I just have this inner want and need to find something a little bit more creative. We did just talk about that creativity aspect. Um, and I feel like a few things that I've just done in the last couple of weeks, just spontaneously has just lit this fire inside of me. And I've just wanted to do something and move in a way that my soul feels really good doing um, and that I just feel free after. So um, I'm at that, the crossroads in my umbrella at that. So who knows what my umbrella is going to look like in the next couple of months, but it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So do you want to talk about what it's looked like for the past four years? Because uh, I know that there's been different... Uh, I guess different prongs that you have been focusing on because of different goals that you've had in the last three or four years. So let's go back to what the training practice looked like for the last three or four years. And then I'd love to come back and land in that place uh, that you just uh, articulated around this, this wanting or this need for to express the body in a different way. Yeah. All right. So should we go way, way back? Let's go way, way back. Let's go. Let's go there. Let's go way, way back. <laughs> so yeah, because my beliefs around training have changed so much since I started. So I initially just got into training because I couldn't dance anymore um, when I was a dancer. Um, so I got into swimming and then um, after that, I got into the gym and it was like that cardio bunny, just go to, go to the gym, go on the treadmill, do that three to four times a week. And that's just what my movement looked like um, and then I went into learning about how to train the body so I became a personal trainer and um, started you know the strength and conditioning and the high intensity interval training period that everybody goes through where they're addicted to that um, so I've been down that road as well um, and then that's the path that led me to Ninja Warrior so for the past four years my training has been focused around that. Um, so there have been days where I would work on 
sprinting and single leg balance and single leg strength, a lot of unilateral training, upper body grip strength and that lock-off strength that you need to be able to hold yourself in a bent arm position. Um, so my training was really focused around that for the last four years. Um, but that also involved being able to be mobile as well. So um, I've always been someone who loves stretching. <laughs> Not everyone loves to stretch, but because I danced, it was part of my dancing. So stretching is something that I have taken with me from a young age. Um, and so mobility and stretching have been part of my training throughout. And I'll try and do at least two mobility or stretch sessions a week where I'm literally just on the floor or on the mat and that's all that I do for an hour. So, yeah. Ah, it's, 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 a long, it's a long journey that I've been on, um, but I think like you just have to learn and discover um, what kind of volume your body can take. So throughout, the, throughout that period, um, I might have gone too hard on my lock-off training and then I've come up with forearms that have been inflamed and, you know, shoulders that have been niggly and all of that kind of stuff. So um, it's a bit of a trial and error process that I've been through and I feel like everyone goes through that on their journey and that is what it's about. It's about the journey. So that's where I am at the moment. Okay. So... Talk to me about that transition from dance into, because this is really cool because it's going to come around like a full circle. So dance is yeah. such a creative uh, expression. There is so much uh, like that you are connected to the floor. You're connected to your body. There's this like you inhabit really your body when you dance. Uh, and then Talk about the transition from coming from that, that way to express and move the body into a more traditional style of training. Mm. Yeah, so um, I just, the style of dance that I did was called freestyle disco. So we also did do what would now be called lyrical, but it was called slow dance then. So um, we did like um, a, a, a slow element. So it was really like, following the lines of the music and just um, being with one with the beats and the tempo and sometimes you could just make it up on the spot because you were so into it that you'd forget your choreographed routine and you'd just like go with what's actually happening. I remember doing that so many times when I was like in my teens. Uh, <laughs> um, and then the um, freestyle disco element of it was more like acrobatic, high intensity, jumping, um, spinning, turning, cartwheeling, like all of that kind of stuff. So um, that creativity with my body has been with me from a really young age, since the age of eight. Um, and I stopped when I was 21 and I just had really bad shin splints. So I needed something low impact and that wasn't going to um, damage my body anymore. So um, that's when I started swimming and then just biking and all of that kind of low impact cardio um, and then I found um, the classes that you go to in the gym so like the body attack and the body combat and that kind of incorporated a little bit of the um, choreographic style from dance so I really loved that because um, it was like five six 
seven, eight, punch, punch. <laughs> You're like, yes, but, a routine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, a routine that I could work out to. <laughs> yeah, so I really loved that. Um, and I stuck with that for about a year or so um, before I really learned what um, actual training was. So a workout, for example, where you do squats and then you do squat press and bicep curls and all of that kind of stuff. So I started slowly learning about that. Um, so yes, it, it was gone. I went from this creative style of training into this low impact, not so creative style of training. And, uh, looking back, it, it did, it wasn't appealing to me. It wasn't attractive to me. I was just doing it because I knew that I needed to move my body and, I needed to do it for health reasons and longevity reasons. So um, I'm glad I stuck with it because it's got me where I am today. And yeah, I have kind of come full circle now because I'm going back into that um, creative area and listening to what my soul really wants. So, yeah. Yeah. And so the ninja training, uh, what, what did that look like? What does the training practice uh, look like like the volume in the day uh, I know that you talked about like certain things that you're focusing on so you're focusing on unilateral sprints uh, making yeah. sure that you can hold yourself in a position uh, do you want to explain just in a sentence or two what ninja warrior is uh, and yeah. like the movement behind it and then talk to us about what did the training actually look like okay so those of you that don't know what um, Ninja Warrior is, it's an obstacle course. So it's a television-based obstacle course and you have really huge obstacles and they can be balance obstacles, they can be hanging obstacles, they can be swinging between obstacles. Um, so a lot of the elements that you would see in rock climbing and gymnastics on the bars and the rings um, are what you would see on Ninja Warrior. Um, basically flying through the air and having fun is what Ninja Warrior is. It's really cool, but it is hard on your body. Um, so the training for that, um, gymnasts, do, gymnasts and rock climbers do really well um, on Ninja Warrior obstacles and on the show. Um, and so my training for that was, um, I actually went to a gymnastics gym and I learned how to create a swing on a bar that was like my first lesson in ninja warrior um and it just built from there so building my grip strength up by hanging on bars um, learning gymnastics elements of swinging and how to create a swing using your toes and your hips like it's a basic thing now but looking back I didn't know how to do it and it's really funny when I look back at the videos I'm like oh my god I cannot move well on a bar <laughs> so so funny. <laughs> um, so my training for Ninja has also evolved over the years because where I was four years ago is not where I am now. So a training session then would not look like what a training session now would be like, but it incorporates all of the same kind of things. So I would always do a really good warm up for the shoulders and for the full body mainly because you're just hanging so much on your shoulders they just need to be really warm so like um, scap shrugs and push-ups and banded work all of that kind of stuff 
um, comes in my warm up. Um, and then I would always add in a bit of strength before I did um, some elements. So like ring rows or pull ups, depending on what my strength was at, as well as like some ski jumps, like all of that kind of thing. So I'd put a few superset strength things in there. Um, and then I would start to get into my training session. So whether that, that was a training session at the gym or at, like at an actual gym or whether it was actually at a ninja gym would look very different. So I could do just a normal strength session that was related to Ninja Warrior training. So I might do, for example, um, Bulgarian split squats would be like a lower body unilateral exercise that I would work on lower body strength on my single leg. Um, and then a uh, switch grip lock-offs would be one for upper body. So you'd like pull up into a half pull-up position and then you'd have to stay in that position whilst you changed your hands around. So palms facing you and then palms facing away from you. So you'd switch those around. So it's like staying in that static lock-off position whilst changing your grip, um, kind of mimicking how you would be on an obstacle. That would be like an in-gym session. And then if I was at a ninja gym, it would basically be, I would pick a few obstacles first that I wanted to practice. Um, so maybe something that I hadn't um, gotten really well yet. So it might be like a difficult one, like the salmon ladder or like a pegboard or something like that. Or sometimes there were new obstacles in the gym. So I'd try those, um, try those when I was fresh. And then once I'd done that for a little bit, I would create like a mini course. So it would be like six to nine obstacles. And actually my training would be running through a course. Um, and I'd do that once, get to know the obstacle, then I'd do it the second time, time it, and then I'd do it a third time and try and beat the time. So yeah, that's the two kinds of training things that I would do when I was training for Ninja. And then that would also be balanced out with my mobility and prehab stuff on the side as well. Yeah, I love when you, I love that you, you separate it and break it up. And when I hear you talk about it, I hear that you have this like foundation piece, like the gymnastic strength training, the strength training, uh, the balance, the stability work, working on like the base of the pyramid to be able to do the thing on top. Yeah, the, exactly. the, the skill, the, the obstacle, the fun thing, what would seem to be the sexy thing. But yeah, yeah and where I want to stay here for a bit is like building that base of the pyramid uh, because it takes a long time. Uh, I, I was having it a conversation. A yeah, I was having a conversation with one of the women that I worked with the other week, and she said, oh, "I just want to do a ring dip, and why can't I get there yet?" And I just turned to her and I said, "It took me three years to be able to like work towards that and achieve it." And she was like, "What, really?" And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> like it takes a long time." It does. to build the base of the pyramid yeah. and for the women that you know they may see like us do things yeah like and but they're only seeing like where we are now so I really now. love that you yeah. yeah talk about okay so my training for Ninja Warriors changed over the four years because you have changed your your ability yeah. your process your method and like people are only seeing us yes you know you can do three muscle ups, four muscle ups in a row. But what's missing is 
the, the context or the understanding of the process and the methods that actually came before to allow you to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, luckily for me, before I had actually even started my first season on Ninja, my, my training in the years before that was building that foundation of strength. So building the upper body strength, building the lower body strength, building the core strength, having good mobility, like those were the things that I focus on as a coach and as someone that trains, sorry. <coughs> Got a little tickly throat there. Um, those are the things that I worked on as somebody that is a coach and someone who trains. Um, so when I came to do my first like intake of ninja training, yes, the swinging and everything was hard, but I, I had that foundational base of movement. So I had good shoulder strength and good shoulder mobility to be able to create a swing. I just didn't have the technique and the skill of being able to put it together. So very fortunate. Um, in that respect but your foundation I feel like foundations change as you grow and you get stronger so for somebody who who you just talked about wants to work at, on a ring dip that's a skill that they want to be progressing towards but first of all they're going to be working on their dips on their bench or their overhead tricep extensions and then they're going to be working on their push-ups and their bench press and then they're going to be working on their close grip tricep push-ups and then they're going to be working on assisted ring dips. And then they're going to be working on ring dips like that. So, and that's a long-term journey. That's like a long-term process over like how you said, it could be like a three-year journey. You might have like a 12-week block of training that focuses on one thing and then you move to the next thing. And it's a, it's a journey to build up to that skill. And that's just one skill. So you can imagine for all the things that you want to achieve, it takes a long period of time. Yeah, but then once you have that process and you have the method and you follow it and you develop the skill, it's always there if you've done it properly. Uh, yeah, and, and if you keep that base. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so now like ring dips would be in your, your training program, but you could probably do those as like strength sets now rather than something that you want to work towards doing one rep. And then that might help you work on things like muscle up. Yeah, it's so like an there's onion. Always, there's always something else to achieve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always, always. And <laughs> But if you, yeah, and that's what I wanted to hear from, from you and from your training. Because one big thing of, uh, in the series that I really want to speak to is this concept of having a training practice. So you're not just going to work out. Yeah. You're not just going to sweat there. There is an intent there. There's a purpose. You uh, know your why uh, you have a goal that you're working towards. You have a process, you have a method, you have recover, recovery protocols. There's all of these things that go into actually having a training practice. Um, yeah. And yeah. for like the, the daily practice is there and that's just your routine, but the actual practice is a much longer process. So it's a week practice, a month practice, a training cycles practice, you know, a cycle cycles practice. <laughs> so it's having to then take that and think, yeah, you are having your training practice for that day, but it, it's like a lifelong practice. 
practice almost. And your your journey is just evolving and growing with you as you grow through your practice as well. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people, they get stuck a little bit because we're so stuck on this concept of just having a workout or going to exercise or train or do a class and it's just about that. It's not zooming out and looking at the umbrella about having an actual practice. And we could use movement practice. I like to use the word training uh, just because for some reason, I don't know, people feel like they get it a little bit more. You start to talk about movement and people are like, what are you talking about? Whereas you, you think, okay, training. Yeah. Okay. Now let's build a training practice. And what does that yeah. look like for you? And just the training is not in that practice. It's the whole umbrella of the practice that in- incorporates the training. Yeah. And that's the other thing. So people will often say like, why can't I get the results that I want from my training? And training is one piece of that. Like, do you have a process? Do you have a method? Uh, how is the programming? And then there are so many other pieces and it's, the food piece, the sleep piece, the recovery piece, the relationship piece, the environment piece. And the health and fitness space doesn't really look at those. They look at just the training and that's the biggest gap there. It's not teaching people how to train. It's teaching people all the other things that go with it. Yeah. And I think I think sleep is one of the biggest ones that um, people often sacrifice for a sweat or a workout like how you were talking so people get up in the morning and they're just going and doing their high intensity sweat or their run and they might have had a really bad night's sleep but that's just what they do they get up and they live for the sweat because you know it gives them endorphins but actually if you took a step back from it and had a look at how your sleep is over a long period of time there are some people out there that are sleeping five four or five hours a night and they still get up and they train and they're I think I think that's why you're seeing people not getting results because their adrenaline like you know their adrenal glands are probably fatigued and their nervous system is probably fatigued and they're just not getting that recovery from sleep that they need Yeah. And that's, so we have like, okay, let's look at all the prongs in the umbrella, but if we just look at the training (laughs) prong, and this is why I love body weight strength training, gymnastic strength training and weightlifting, because to me, it nourishes that prong. It nourishes the umbrella. It's slower. It's teaching someone about their body. They're using their body as the tool, uh, because we so want to do the sexy thing, yeah, which is the high intensity stuff and sweat and, but yeah, for me, body weight strength training really is that lever to support the red umbrella and then to learn so much about the body. Yeah, I agree. And you don't have to, I think like once you, once you try, so like, for example, if you take a step back from that, the sweat, and you go into the body weight training and you go into the weight training, um, you'll notice that actually your body doesn't change from what it 
from you know like you haven't put on the million kilograms of weight that you think you're going to put on when you stop running for 30 minutes or 40 minutes every day your body actually starts to change in the way that you want it to change because it's getting the um it's getting the um what am i thinking the forces that it needs the outside you know what i mean yeah, the stimulus, the right stimulus. Yeah, yes. that's what I mean. Yeah. I was trying to think of the word. I couldn't think. I, could, I had a blank. Yeah. yeah. So when your body is getting the right stimulus and then you're not just completely um, tiring yourself out, you're going to see changes in the right way rather than fearing the way that you're going to change if you stop doing those things that you're um, just used to doing, I, I guess, and that people see as the thing that is to be done. Um, it's this perception of training that just needs to change within the general population. I think there are people out there that are good advocates for it. Um, you being one of them, obviously, and myself. <laughs> but there are some really good people that are advocates for it out there. Um, and I think it is changing. We just need to keep pushing and putting it out there um, for people to see and realise. Yeah. Um, because you can look at, so you could look at, you know, you and your training practice from the outside and just go, Oh, wow. Like she can do amazing things or she trains a lot, but to not really understand that there is a lot of work there. There was a lot of groundwork. There was a lot of building the base of the pyramid. And then there's a lot of work in being able to actually do that as in work with, you making sure that you're managing your umbrella. Could you talk about, talk about that, like your recovery protocols, how you nurture and nourish the red umbrella to allow you to be able to do that practice? Of course. Um, so I would definitely say that in the recovery process, I did just mention that sleep is probably one of the biggest things for me. And I learned that the hard way. So um, I was a coach that had to get up and be at the gym at 5am in the morning. So I was getting up at like 10 past four, five to six days a week um, and then going to bed at like nine, nine thirty at night. And it just wasn't getting like I was getting sometimes six and a half, seven hours sleep. I did get naps in the afternoon and like you kind of tell yourself that story. Oh, it's okay. I'm getting an extra you know 90 minutes in the afternoon I'm catching up on my sleep um and then it just caught up on me and I was just exhausted um and it just got to the point where I was like I cannot do this anymore so um yeah I had to stop that job and um just three months after not getting up at that time in the morning I started to like feel myself again like I was becoming more alive kind of like when you um water a flower and when it's been so dry and then it just like starts to flourish again. Uh, it took like three to six months to actually feel like to wake up in the morning and still not feel tired. So it takes a really long time to recover from not having enough sleep. Um, you can't just have a week of sleeping in like on holiday and then that's enough. Um, it takes a really long time. So I get um, seven and a half to nine hours sleep now a night and that's something that I really prioritize so I won't say yes to coaching more than three mornings a week because I know that my body can't handle that um and yeah I just prior really prioritize it 
got to have those at least three sleep-ins a week where I'm not getting up before 6am. Um, so that's really important to me. That's one of the first things. Um, there are some other recovery protocols that I would put in there. So nut- nutrition is obviously a big one. Um, everyone knows how to eat well. They just, well, I think they really do. <laughs> everyone knows how to eat well. Like you eat vegetables. You, when you say someone, what is healthy eating? You say you eat fruit, you eat vegetables, you eat good carbs, whole grains, all of that kind of stuff. But they just don't do it. It's just not not convenient um, or it's just not in there. Uh, they're just not consistent or have the um, habit of eating like that. And it's, it is a habit um, and something that you ritualize. So once you've, once you've built that habit, it just becomes something that you do every day. And once you feel really good from that, you then know that that's something that you have to keep doing for your body because it makes your body feel good from the inside out. And you definitely do notice the difference from not eating like that to when you are eating like that. Um, and I've had previous experiences of that. Um, but yeah, so definitely the nutrition is one. And I do try and um, track the nutrition around my cycle as well that's a different conversation but um just on an app i will just um track where i am on those four weeks of my cycle and whether i need more carbs more fats um or more protein in that week depending on where i am at so i do try and do that as well um which has made a huge difference to my cycle health as well um that's another little prong of the umbrella the cycle health in training um and another big one for me is in recovery um, supplements. So I'm always making sure that I get enough um, zinc and magnesium. Um, so I take a whole vitamin for that. Um, at the moment, it's, well, it has been winter here, but I can't really call it winter. It's like spring or um, autumn everywhere else in Australia. But honestly, I have not been getting as much sun as I would when it is like spring or summer so I have been taking a a spray vitamin D um, in the mornings and I feel like that just really helps with energy Um, so yeah been doing that and um, what else just uh, just I would I would class mobility and stretching as a recovery tool and I like to do that with, I also incorporate a bit of rolling and active release with my ball. I've got like little balls that I do for active release and rolling. And I know that that's not a long-term recovery tool. It's just something that makes you feel good for like the next 24 hours. And I'm okay with that. I know that there's been research on it, that it's not like a, not like a huge long-term recovery for fascial release, but it's just something that releases in the short term and it just makes my body feel good so I'm quite happy for that to be a short-term effect for me and I, I like adding it into my recovery protocol so yeah those would be my recovery protocols. yeah I love it and it's simple which yeah. people often uh yeah I don't it's just, it's just simple and this has come up yeah not fancy (laughs) yeah it's not fancy you're not doing anything that's you know you don't have to go in 
do hot cold therapy every day. You don't have to go and take, you know, all of these things. You don't have to sit in, you know, the the chair with the legs and put your legs <laughs> in those blow up legs. Yeah. Like <laughs> cryotherapy. Cryotherapy. <laughs> sure. Some of the those things sure can be helpful, but uh again, it comes back if you don't have the basics right. Uh and I think mobility and having a movement practice, so this like softness, moving the body in a slower way, a different way is uh, an amazing recovery practice. It, it does belong in the recovery protocol, making sure yeah, that you're looking sure. after the tissue, that you're stretching, that you're looking after your spine. Uh, yeah, so I think that your it's it is it's simple. You just need to sleep. You need to eat good whole food, enough of it. Uh, making sure that you're looking after your body through a mobility and recovery, yeah, <laughs> practice. <laughs> simple but effective. Simple but effective. And then the piece I wanted to touch on was training with your cycle. Oh, training with my cycle. Well, that's been a process since I started learning from many of you out there, you being one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so glad that I found you. Um, yes. So um, I have been tracking my cycle for, my goodness, when was the last podcast that we did? I'm tracking it for maybe over a year now longer than that yeah um and it's it's been honestly it's a re for me I'm gonna be honest it's been it's a really hard thing mentally I find to come to terms with the fact that you have to okay I can go hard these two weeks and then you have to slow down like you can feel it in your body that you need to do it but in your mind you're like no I just want to go training like you know <laughs> um so um that has been one of the hard things that I've been having to come to terms with, but um, I am enjoying the process of learning about my cycle and how that works with training. So I've done a lot of the things that you encourage people to do. So journaling, um, writing down, I will write down what day I'm on every day in my journal. I will write how my body felt during training that day um and then there's just other things that I will include in my tracking app and that's um just like I I try to notice how I slept that night and where I am at on my cycle that's why I put it in the app because it like, just tracks really well with that um and any symptoms that I might have like throughout the day or like if I'm if I'm feeling more inflamed if my temperature was higher if I didn't sleep very well um, even things like going to the toilet, like what that's been like. Um, and I've noticed a lot of patterns that have come up. So that's been really interesting. Um, and then I'm also, I'm met because I've noticed those patterns and I know where I am at in my cycle. I then almost anticipate those and I know when they're going to happen. And I'm not like, oh my God, why is this happening? Oh, I had such a crap sleep last night. Why did I have such a crap sleep? I'm just, oh, I'm really hot tonight. Like, you know, pulling all my clothes off. Like, I just know why it is. Um, and so, for example, if I am in that week where I'm going to have an increased temperature, I just won't wear my, like, I'll wear less to bed. And then I won't be, like, ripping my clothes off during the middle of the night. So, it's even, it sounds so simple, but, like, it just helps a lot. 
Um, so training with my cycle, I have, um, so in the cycle, it's split up. Obviously, you've talked about this a lot on your podcast, but you've got the luteal and the follicular phase. So um, weeks one and two, so for me, generally, I find, I find that I'm a little bit weaker in week one and week four. So it doesn't necessarily fit in with the luteal and the follicular phase. Um, so I've kind of just maneuvered my training around that um, and I've built that over my cycle. And that's important because my cycle is not going to be the same to yours and yours isn't going to be the same to anybody else's. So even though I'm talking about mine now and how I arrange mine, it's not going to be the same for somebody else's. Um, so. Um, in week one and four will be the weeks that I kind of I back off training um, so heavily. Um, I'll go a little bit lighter and I'll do more reps. Um, and then I'll also have a little bit more of a gentle mobility practice as well. Um, and then in the weeks two and three is when I will feel my strongest. So I'll start to lift a little bit heavier or go for the strength skills in handstands or do a little bit more powerful tumbling um, and then my stretch can also be a little bit more intense as well so I can work to in really increase the range in my um, middle splits um, or something like that right when I don't really want to be pushing that hard when you know that area is feeling a bit um, inflamed <laughs> during like week one definitely don't like stretching on that week <laughs> not the intense stretching anyway yeah <laughs> but yeah so that that's pretty much where I'm at with training and my cycle at the moment and it might grow and evolve as it has over the um last year or so it's taken me a while to come up with that um protocol and understand it what my body needs at which week and um yeah it's been good though. I've learned from you and I've learned from a few other um, ladies that I follow that have been doing it. So it's been really cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's, yeah, I speak about it all the time. It can be such a powerful tool. It is just a tool. And I think it's in context of everything that we've spoken about today. So your training, the type of stressor that's on your body, your red umbrella, all of those things. And it is just one tool that we can use, but it can change and every cycle could be a little different. Uh, but I love that you bring up weeks two and three because this has come up quite a bit in my work, uh, especially if those first few days, uh, it depends on, on the bleed, on the red umbrella, on what's going on. And uh, my legs are barking, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> someone's there past our house. yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that no you're okay um and it can take a few days to yeah. to get that energy back to find that rhythm and 
I have found, and that's why I call it that red circle window. And it tends to be week two and three of the cycle when you have that peak and then the hormones are their highest. Uh, This is if you have a pretty regular cycle, you know, a 28, 29, 30 day cycle that week two and three is when we can actually, we feel good. We can train harder. We can train longer. We feel like we can recover better. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's just when you, when you've got that knowledge and understanding, it just makes so much difference to your training. Um, And it's not that you can't, like, it's not that you couldn't try to lift heavy weights in week one or four. It's just that it's just, not good for your mindset because you're just not lifting the same numbers and you're not doing your body any favors either um just with the change in hormones and yeah i think just the just the mind the getting around the mindset side of it is just one of the hardest things that i've had to do but when you kind of just let go of that kind of just like let it go um then yeah your training your training can change and just using that tool um can just help you progress in different things as well because you could be working on something completely different um in those sessions um which will also progress you know yeah and i still find it hard some days like i've been doing this for a long time now and there's some days that i'll just hit resistance to like not want to like lean in and surrender and do a different type of movement or just to, you know, have a softer practice because I, even though I plan it around my cycle, there's just sometimes I want to do that. Like I just want to lift heavy or do a different type of practice. And I often come up against that, that resistance sometimes. Uh, and yeah. so, <laughs> And sometimes I'll just do it anyway, but, and often the body will tell me like that wasn't the right thing to do. And, but it's been a really great practice for me because then I've like stopped that, like I've stopped the session and I would have never have done that before. It would have been, I had mm. to complete the session, all of the session. I like couldn't all the sets, all the reps and all like I, but learning through this process and when I meet that resistance and then sometimes when I do it I'll now stop if it doesn't feel right and I know that okay you know what you tried because sometimes like you just said we could be in week four and I've had great sessions in week four yeah my cycle I've had great sessions on the day of I start bleeding uh because it depends on what's going on with the red umbrella but then I've also went to train hard in those times and my body's told me no (laughs) yeah it it's just learning learning what your body is saying to you learning the language of your body um and uh i've had the same so like even so i've noticed in even in handstands i'm getting better at my presses off the floor now um and it's like in week two i can like smash out like five presses and then I'll get to like week four and I can barely do one. And I'm like, bah. <laughs> so funny. It's helpful. So, it's helpful to understand that because otherwise, 
like we were talking about, we get stuck in that story, that comparison of why couldn't I do it? I could do it last week or the week before. And, but if we have the knowledge of, okay, it's a prong in the umbrella. If one or more of those prongs, you know, aren't working right or, and I'm in this stage of my cycle, that's why it's going to be a little harder. It's not impossible, but it's just harder. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is like what you said, it's an important tool to have to help understand because then you can almost stop punishing yourself. Like you just talk to yourself negatively, like how you said, oh, why aren't I hitting that? Or I could have, I was better last week or all of those things that you say to yourself in your head are not um, healthy. Um, So just talking to yourself negatively is not a healthy thing to do. So understanding that can help you talk neutrally to yourself um which i think is even is just such a powerful thing yeah and i want to bring uh it back around to this creative expression this need that you spoke about at the start of wanting to maybe do something different can you speak to Mm. that yes so um since we so we stopped filming Ninja in March and we had COVID and lockdown and everything, um, and that just gave me the space to train how I want to train really. Um, so I did my usual strength and conditioning, but then I also when we were all on lockdown, we didn't have jobs, we weren't going out. Um, I think this was everybody, but I was on TikTok. <laughs> Um, and I was like just creating little TikToks on a daily basis and they sometimes take like half an hour to an hour to make these TikTok things um it's crazy I don't know how people do it like when they actually go back to work like I haven't done it since I've gone back to work but just in lockdown period like every day I was on TikTok and it was because it's dancing and because it's expression um it just really lit me up and I also did a little bit of um like a beat workout that I posted on Instagram during lockdown as well and it was just like a song and just like workout moves incorporated with some simple dance moves and um just to the beat and I really loved that and then since I've been back at work I have just been off the on the fly just playing around with just putting on some music um and incorporating my acro and my dance and my handstand um just freestyling so it's been really good because my soul just felt so happy and just so uplifted after. And that feeling that I got um, is a feeling that I want to keep feeling. Um, so I'm looking into either, I think I'm like playing around at the moment. I'm going to go and trial um, an aerial gym. Um, so doing like aerial silks, lira and trapeze and just see how my body likes it or see how I feel if it's something that my soul really wants to do because it's something that would I guess blend a few of my worlds together like the grip strength of Ninja Warrior the um the creativeness of dancing um and then just the um like the gymnastics and acro side of it as well would be incorporated into that so um it's something that I have wanted to do I've like I've looked at it and I'm like oh I'd like to do that but I just don't have time like when I'm training for Ninja Warrior and I'm learning to tumble and like all of these things you just can't do them all in one um so I think now is like a really good time for me because I'm not that 
Uh, I don't like have any goals that I'm specifically working towards other than just my handstands and my tumbling goals at the moment. Um, so yeah, something that I'm really looking forward to trying. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, and when you speak about it, like a training practice is such a journey and it's okay to spend time on a certain prong or two, but then if you're really listening to the body, uh, it wants to go and explore other things. So, you know, back to creativity, back to playfulness, something different. And to me, I think it's about just like inhabiting the body. And you can't really do that if you just do one type of training. If you're just yeah. going to the gym and doing something that's the same over and over again, or if you just run, I think that we, our body is a tool and do we know how to use it? And yes, there's all these different types of training that can teach us all these different things about our body, but then really having this umbrella, having this training practice teaches us to inhabit the body. It teaches us to learn about the body. Uh, and so, yeah, I love, I love that you shared that, that it's kind of come back to this, okay, now I, I need to explore something else. I need to listen to my body and what that is, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go out and explore. Yeah, explore and play and just listen to the feedback that comes from the inner being that is inside of me um hopefully it's really good and something that will be um a new practice for me in my training um but if not that's okay and we'll just try something different yeah i love that okay betsy we're gonna finish with six questions oh exciting okay why do you train i train to feel good from the inside out uh, to get to know my body and to understand it better. Love it. Okay, you have a billboard in Times Square. It's permanent. It's going to stay there forever. What does it say on it? Okay, it says, be the light. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like that could have so many different meanings depending on where you're at in your life and what's going on in the world and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, just be the light. Be the light. Beautiful. Number three, what do you like that no one else really likes? Oh, this is my sisters would not like me for saying this because I eat foods that don't really go together. So I will like eat random leftover foods together, whatever is in the fridge. Like I don't like wasting food. So if there's like two or three different nights of leftovers in the fridge, I'll just put them all in like one bowl and like, mix it together and eat it like baby food <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone in my house is like that's disgusting I'm like it's good, <laughs> it's good. I've never it's heard of that before <laughs> yeah honestly I just don't I just don't like the, the thought of it going to waste in the bin and then it's like only a small like sometimes it's not enough for a meal but like two or three things put together. Yeah, just mash it up like baby food. Full bed. Amazing. <laughs> Random. <sighs> okay, number four. What are your three favorite books? Okay. Well, does the whole Harry Potter series count as one? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Okay. 
because that's my seven favorite books. (laughs) 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 Harry Potter. Um, And because I just love imagination and creativity. So that's like my ultimate. I loved reading those books as a kid. And then The Alchemist by Paolo Cello. Have you read that? Yes. That also speaks to my creativity side but I feel like there's a bit of a personal development underlying like thing in there as well which is awesome so that's my second favorite book and then an actual personal development book that I really loved is Mastering Your Mean Girl by Melissa Ambrosini yeah love that one yeah I love that title it's really good it's just about the ego and um learning to listen to um like we've spoken about previously so you know how we've had those the negative sentences or the not so nice things that we would say to ourselves it's about really is that ourself speaking is that what we actually think about ourselves or is it our ego um coming to the forefront and do we actually want to talk to ourselves about that and it's just learning to understand that and even just being aware of those thoughts can help you know that they're not how you truly feel about yourself so yeah I love that book yeah I'll often say like there's my mean girl because it's important to separate it because it's not who you are it may not be who you are but it's just this voice this story that's in your head that is often mean and not very helpful (laughs) yeah exactly okay number five what are three things you would like to be remembered for um so uh, first would be being the person that brings good energy to a room um and I feel like that's something that I do often get told and I'm like I'm really happy that people think that about me because you know you just you don't want to be somebody that makes a negative environment so I'm glad that I am the person that is the light be the light like (laughs) I said um so yes the energy and the light. Um, and the second thing would be to um, inspire the next generation. So being inspiring the next generation just to be the best that they can be through their training, through their life, through their mindset, all of that kind of stuff. And then the last is for loving my friends and family. Beautiful. Okay, last one. What day are you on in your cycle? Day one. Day one. <laughs> Day one and I'm busting out a podcast, baby. Woo-hoo. Day one and she's busting out a podcast. So I feel super grateful for you showing up on day one at 11 a.m. in the morning. And uh, being the light. And being the light and sharing <laughs> uh, sharing your training practice. I thank just want to thank you for creating the space again to come on and be a part of the series, Betsy. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating this whole podcast and for being the teacher that you are, because um, I think you're making a difference to lots of women out there. And it's really awesome. Thank you. Okay. Where can people see you, see you upside down on your hands? And doing backflips. Instagram, Betsy underscore and underscore Burnett. That's yes. me. Instagram. Go follow her. See all the amazing things that she can do. Uh, follow her <laughs> training practice. 
it's um yeah it's so great to watch she shows up really powerfully it's very cool to see uh the depth of the practice the the umbrella of her practice (laughs) okay betsy thank you so much it was so good to chat to you it was so good to chat to you If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at amykatebow. I also write a daily blog. You can sign up on my website, amykatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, take the long way home. Bye for now.